Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Our guest on this show is all of you. They called in with the voicemails. We certainly appreciate it. If you want to send yours in, of course, you give us a call at 813-444-5841. But we have a couple of voicemail questions and concerns and ideas that we would like to address. So without further ado, David, let's get to it. James, David, it's Greco from South Carolina. Got a question for you, a franchise quarterback. I mean, it, it just hasn't worked our entire history. So is this who we are going forward? We're the guys that basically buy the best talent and roll the dice to get to the Super Bowl. Anyway, I want to see what you guys think. Greco out. Go Bucks. All right, Greco, thank you very much for the call, even though the first half of it was apparently cut off. But the basic gist uh, asking about if if the Bucks are just not capable of drafting a franchise quarterback, I don't personally think so. I think Jameis Winston had the makings of a franchise quarterback. I think the situation that the Buccaneers are currently in with their current coaching staff is Bruce Arians is running out of time. And if if Bruce Arians was the head coach of the Buccaneers when Jameis was drafted, you know, that gives him plenty of time to work with him, develop him. Uh, and and get him to the level that a lot of us believe that he can get to, which is why David and I have said on the show, you know, he needs to go somewhere where he can sit behind someone, you know, maybe take over the the starting position at some point during 2020 and help progress his his career forward. You know, we we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting behind Ben Roethlisberger, getting to work with, uh, you know, a a successful head coach and coaching staff under Mike Tomlin. There, you know, something like that. So I think it was just a, a combination of a lot of different things that led to Jameis not being the franchise guy for the Bucks, even though he had the the natural talent for it. There was just too much to try to fix in such a short period of time. And when you have an opportunity to go and get Tom Brady, you take that opportunity. You, you go for it. I don't think this would have been a situation if Jameis had signed a, a two year extension that they would have cut him or tried to trade him to bring in Tom Brady. It just so happened that it aligned this way. Um, but no, I mean, you, at some point they're going to to hit on one. Uh, you could say that they've had plenty in their in their history. They just ended up being franchise quarterbacks for other teams. Doug Williams, Steve Young. Uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate the way things ended with Jameis. I think he can be a team's franchise quarterback. It's just the the timing of it right now with Bruce Arians' age and and health. It was best to try to try to go get the greatest quarterback of all time and win now with a roster that is built to do so. Yeah. I think when you get to the question of, you know, is a team incapable of finding a franchise quarterback, that's, that's a hard thing to, to really measure because when you, when you talk about finding a franchise quarterback, you're not so much talking about physical ability. I mean, physical ability is, I don't want to say easy to evaluate, but you can see what a quarterback can do. You can see if a quarterback is able to hit, you know, a 10 yard out route. You can see if a quarterback is able to throw the ball 60 yards downfield, 
you know, with a defender running into his his, his face. The things you can't measure, and again, to kind of go back to what Bruce Arians talked about at the scouting combine this year, is 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 what he calls grit. Right? You can't you can't measure what's between the ears. You can try your best, you know, to go through and, and see. Uh, you know, in the college tape and everything, what is is going on inside a, a a player's you know mind and everything. But you have to understand, like when when a when you go from being a college football player to an NFL player, now this is your identity full time, right? Like in college, I mean, I know these guys are student athletes full time and everything, but there's also the student part of it, and there's also the part of it that gets away from you know the the limelight and all that stuff, and has the friends and and everything. That you, I, I kind of think back to like Vince Young, right? If you watched Vince Young play with the Longhorns, what kind of mentality did you see out of a quarterback like Vince Young? You saw a killer mentality, a guy that in crunch time when his team needed him the most was going to put the, the entire squad on his back, run him into the end zone in the Rose Bowl, and take him to the promised land You know where they could hoist the trophies and compete with the best of the best year in and year out, right? What did you get when you actually got to the NFL? Well, you got a guy who just he couldn't take the pressure. You know what I mean? And that's not a dig necessarily on – on VY, I mean, there's a lot of people who couldn't take that kind of a pressure because once you go to the NFL, it's 24-7. You are an NFL quarterback. That is your entire identity. Every single thing you do is tied to the fact that you are an NFL quarterback. If you go have dinner in downtown on a Saturday afternoon, you're doing it as an NFL quarterback, whereas in some way, shape, or form as a college quarterback in certain situations, you can kind of go out and still have a little bit of your own identity. Like I know we hear a lot about what happens with guys on campus, but we don't hear everything. In the NFL, if you get a speeding ticket, it's going to hit ESPN's ticker. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think the differences are there. The money, the pressure, like there's there's a little bit less uh, coddling. I don't think every program really coddles their quarterbacks anyway, but in the NFL, there's definitely less coddling because you're getting paid. Like you're here to do a job. Like Tom Brady said, this team is paying you to do a job and you're either going to do it or they're going to find somebody else to do it for you. Whereas in college, you could be the most talented guy on the roster, and they're going to work with you. They're going to bend. They're going to flex. They're going to, okay, buddy, hey, it wasn't all on you. Uh, we'll make this thing work. And I think that's the hard part in finding a franchise quarterback. Last thing I'll say is there's four quarterbacks that are projected to be drafted this year in the first round. The chances, James, of all four of them being quote-unquote franchise quarterbacks, what would you put on that? Less than 5%. Yeah. I mean, I'd say if you get two out of the four projected quote-unquote top quarterbacks that are probably going to go in the first round this year to be legitimate long-term franchise quarterbacks, then I think it's a really good haul you know, for, for a class uh, perspective. So I think it's just it's hard to get those things uh, put in place. Jameis, I think, James, you would agree, his problems did not come physically. They came no. mentally. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and you go back to the debate of that draft. Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Is it going to be Marcus Mariota? Neither one of them look like they're going to be starting for an NFL team in 2020, at least not in week one. You know, sometimes, you know, the most sure things are are the least sure thing. Ryan Leaf. We all remember the Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf debate, and Ryan Leaf was the more gifted athlete. He just didn't have it upstairs. It's a crapshoot, man. Every draft, every pick. All 256 of them, you just never know what they can turn into. And then you have these undrafted guys that they come out of nowhere and, and become superstars. I mean, you had Jake DeLome as an undrafted player take the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. Um, you, you, just, you just never know what can happen. We are joined here on the Locked on Bucks podcast by you, the listener. So with that, David, let's get over to our next voicemail. Hey guys, Isaac from Santa Claus, Indiana here. Uh, I'm kind of a Patriots fan convert, maybe to the Bucks. I'm kind of wondering what are your thoughts on bringing in Antonio Brown and 
maybe Jason Peters, wondering what your thoughts are and who are some of the next guys they might try to target. Thanks. All right, Isaac, thank you very much for the uh, for the voicemail there. Welcome to uh, your new fan base, so the Buccaneers fan base. Hope you stick around for a little while. And James, uh, you pointed out, or you shared it with me actually before we went on recording, that Bruce Arians actually addressed the Antonio Brown situation. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and let the head coach answer that question for us. Is there any is there anything else that is going to happen in this in this offseason? Because there's speculation that Antonio Brown wants to come down there and play with you. Now you know him a little bit, obviously, from the Pittsburgh Steelers days. What's, what's the likelihood that AB gets back in Tampa? Because I know he has, or at least Tom has had an affinity for him because of his work ethic. You know, forget all the other antics, but just how he works on the field uh, and in practice is it's it's one of the it's it's top of the line. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> just, ah, there just you go. Gonna happen. There's, there's no room. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it's probably not enough money, but uh, it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's not a fit here. Interesting. Well, there is room though because you lost Perriman. I don't know if he's if he says I'm coming in on the veteran minimum coach. I just want to play with Tom. You still wouldn't find a way to get him in? No. Wow. Is well, it just because you don't trust the? What he could do to the culture? Why so steadfast that you would not give it a chance? Yeah, I just, I just know, I just know him, and uh, it's not a fit in our locker room. I don't think you need to say anything else. You're not a fan. Understood. Hey. Gotcha. Okay. Later. That audio of Bruce Arians ask, answering that question about Antonio Brown coming from the Tiki and Tierney show, part of the CBS Sports Network. All right. So yeah. So there we have it. So Antonio Brown not coming to the Buccaneers anytime soon. That's pretty much what you can. Well, you can put, you know, on record, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, as far as Jason Peters is, is concerned, we've talked about him before on the show recently. I mean, James, I think from if I remember what your your own comments, you know, accurately, you really weren't a big fan of it. I'm honestly not that big of a fan of it. It's not necessarily slight against Jason Peters, but he's definitely older, lost a step, not the most athletic guy in, in the world anymore. Uh, honestly, if you're going to bring you know, a guy like Jason Peters in, to me, you might as well just bring back Demar Dotson. Uh, I don't think that Jason Peters is going to come in and unseat. Uh, Donovan Smith, especially after kind of what Bruce Arians said about him earlier this week. And I, I kind of agree. I think Donovan Smith had the best year of his career probably to date last year. Not saying that I feel confident in Donovan Smith being the franchise cornerstone at left tackle for the you know the rest of his career necessarily. But I think that you know he's at least warranted coming in. The, the amount of his contract, you're not moving him. You're not getting rid of him. So you come in and you know he probably enters camp as a starting left tackle. See what happens in the draft. Maybe there's some competition there. Uh, all that, but signing a veteran in that position as old as, as, a, as a guy like Jason Peters is, as slowed down as he is, doesn't really fit to me. Uh, a free agent that still is out there that I like, and James, you're going to remember this name from last year, is Marcus Golden, linebacker who ended up with the Giants. He's a guy that had some athleticism. I felt like he would fit well in Todd Bowles' system. Uh, Golden came from Arizona at one point in time as well, so there's some familiarity there. Uh, He's a guy that's on the market now. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to be looking to to make. He made a little under $5 million last year on a one-year deal with the Giants. I think he played a little bit better than his contract probably expected him to, so maybe he's out there looking for more. I haven't heard a whole lot of, of rumblings about where he might land. So if he is available kind of closer to the draft or even maybe even after the draft, uh, then then it might be a guy. He might be a guy that you can get for that 3 to $5 million range that you can come in, add some depth to the linebacker group, Obviously, he can contribute to special teams, but I think he's probably looking for a starting job, probably looking for a little bit more than $5 million. But if the situation works out to where he's looking for a job still, he's kind of realizing he's got to t- and just look for opportunity, per- perhaps landing in Tampa is, is something that could happen for him.
Yeah, and I mean, I I get the desire for Antonio Brown. I get the desire for Jason Peters. I think when it comes to the offensive line, especially at the tackle position, like you said, if you're going to bring back Peters, you might as well bring back DeMar Dotson. I realize Peters was a, a better player overall over the span of his career, but you're talking about a guy that's you know two to three years older than DeMar Dotson probably doesn't have much left in the tank. If you bring him in, he's not your starter. You know, I think Joe Haig would beat him out in training camp. Your best bet at offensive line is to address it in the first round of the draft. I think that is absolutely vital for what the Buccaneers need to do. And and I don't care who's back at quarterback. I you know, we've been saying that you needed to take, you know, offensive line high in this draft. Yeah, unless somehow you had a Herbert or a Love fall in your lap. Well, they don't need to address quarterback anymore. Offensive tackle is the number one priority. Um yeah, and then yeah, Antonio Brown's gonna be Antonio Brown. I, I like Marcus Golden and and David, the name that I'm gonna throw out there is one that never once crossed my mind until we had Matt Matera of Peter Report on here. Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan would be a great fit in this offense, being that underneath guy, you know, a quick, easy outlet for Tom Brady if he's trying to get the ball out of his hand quickly rather than on on those long developing routes. You know, Bruce Arians said in his conference call with the with the Bucks media that every play has a built-in touchdown and a check down. Some of his quarterbacks are just too afraid to take the check down. Tom Brady's not going to be that guy. He's going to get the ball out of his hand. He's going to move the sticks. He's going to march down the field. That's how he's built. So you have you have somebody in Hogan that has a rapport with Brady. He spent three years in New England, 107 receptions on 172 targets, over 1,600 receiving yards, 15.4 yards per reception, and 12 touchdowns. Like, that's the kind of guy that you need, and he's going to come on the cheap. That doesn't mean that you don't go out and still draft a wide receiver. Um, you know, but that's that's depth at the position in case something happens to to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I'm not saying Hogan is either one of those guys, but last year you saw the depth just completely destroyed. You you had you know, guys coming in off the street to try to fill the void of of injured wide receivers and tight ends. So yeah, I still look for them to address wide receiver in the draft, but I would love to see them bring in Hogan, a familiar face, somebody who's comfortable with Tom Brady already, and will probably help bring things up to speed for some of the other receivers in the room, just because we're going to have an abbreviated offseason, and the more familiarity you can bring into one buck place to get this thing started, the better. With that, David, let's go ahead and jump over to the next voicemail. What's going on, Locked On Squad? It's your boy, Mo Smith, calling from San Jose, California. Uh, just got news that uh, Dominican Sue is going to sign back with us for another year. Looks like uh, things are going in the right direction with our free agency signing. Uh, one question that I did have, though, is uh, that number three wide receiver, uh, Godwin, Evans, Locke, of course, but uh, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson. Uh, I've even heard talks of people saying that O.J. Howard should play the third receiver, but I don't know how much I uh, agree with that. Uh, what do you guys feel? Should we uh, attack it in the draft? Should we go free agent? Uh, how are we feeling? Uh, give Tom Brady some more some more weapons here in our uh, offense. Uh, love, the, love the podcast. Appreciate you guys doing everything you do. Uh, stay safe in this time of need. Uh, thanks. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Hope all is well out there in California. And yeah, I kind of just addressed this a little bit with the with the last question. But 
you know, by time you're listening to this, chances are is unless you're listening to it before nine o'clock in the morning, um, I will have a draft profile out on Bucks Nation of another receiver that both David and I really, really like that would fit beautifully in this offense. That's Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. But yeah, I, I do think in a deep wide receiver class, you're absolutely going to be addressing the position in the draft. Now, Scotty Miller is a guy that can come in, use his quickness, you know, play the play the slot or you know, be one of those underneath routes, use his speed to break off some some long runs after the catch. Justin Watson really started to come on towards the end of the year. I mentioned you know, you had Evans and Godwin go down. Justin Watson started to step up quite a bit. So there is some talent there, but it's it's not it's not starting caliber in my opinion. So you you look to the draft, you look for a guy like Claypool, like uh, David, who's your guy out of Ohio State, KJ Hill. You, you look for, yep. for those those kind of guys that you know they can be the number three receiver, but just like Brashad Perryman last year, if you see your one or your two go down, they can step up and play that role effectively. Uh, I, I don't think any of us in the first half of the season expected out of Brashad Perryman what we ended up getting, but with that opportunity came a pretty fat contract with the New York Jets worth up to $8 million, and he basically doubled his income just because of how he played the second half of last year. That's that's how how much he stepped up and, and how much he really impressed other coaches and GMs across the league. So I do think it's a position that they will address in the draft. If they're bringing in a wide receiver, uh, you know, obviously, as we as we just talked about and we just heard, it's not going to be an Antonio Brown type. What it is is it's going to be a less expensive, lower end depth guy like a Hogan that can that can come in and and be a part of the team, but you're not going to have to really rely on them. I got kind of mixed emotions about Hogan. It wouldn't be a bad move necessarily. Not one I would have thought of, like you said, but. Definitely one that would, you know, you can't you can't knock it necessarily. You're just probably not going to get too excited about it. Um, and then as far as OJ Howard being like the third receiver, obviously you're not going to list him as your third receiver on the depth chart. Like well, a lot of people, when they think third receiver, they're thinking slot guy. And when you think slot guy, you're thinking a guy that can either stretch the field or make a lot of, you know, do a lot of damage in the short area uh, or both, you know, preferably. Um, when, I, when I specifically talk about OJ Howard being kind of your third receiver, I'm talking more just kind of your third option in the passing game, not so much as a number three receiver in the traditional sense. And look, uh, don't, I mean, don't sell OJ too short here, guys. I know he had a rough year in 2019, but this is still a tight end who's very young on his rookie contract. Uh, the Buccaneers actually have to make a decision coming up on whether or not they're going to pick up his fifth year option here in the next few months. But he ran a four five one at the NFL scouting combine when he came out of the draft. And in this year's class, all right, that would have been the second fastest tight end time. And the guy who ran faster than him this year is not anywhere near the caliber of tight end that OJ is as a total package. So take that for what it's worth. But that four five one is faster than Michael Pittman Jr., which is a guy that a lot of people have talked about possibly going to the Bucs. Faster than Gabriel Davis out of UCF, which I know a lot of Florida fans, a lot of Bucs fans are probably fans of. So OJ, you know, I got it. He's a tight end. Got it. He's not as quick. He's not as, you know, as nimble in short spaces like those guys are probably. But don't sell him too short. You know, you put you put him in there in twenty one personnel, and and you come out there and you and you split him out, and you get him matched up against a linebacker or a slower safety. I mean, you can you can do some damage with OJ being your third receiving option. Now, that being said, you don't want to go the entire year like that. 
So definitely, if they don't address it in in, in free agency, Jermaine Curse is another name that came up. But I fully, honestly, I kind of expect the Buccaneers' offensive moves to be mostly done. I think um, you might see like like you like you guys talked about like a free agent come in, but I still think they're going to target a wide receiver on day two. Is is my gut? I like Chase Claypool. Obviously, KJ Hill is another name like you threw out. KJ Hamler is a name that's been thrown out there. So somewhere they're going to find a third receiver. I feel like you know a combination of a veteran signing a draft pick, Scotty Miller and maybe Justin Watson coming in there to to battle it out for that for that, you know, crown, if you want to call it that. That's probably what's going to happen, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. I think they'll get it to figure out, but if you end up with OJ Howard either in certain packages or for a small stretch of time during the season being your third option, not necessarily a number 3 wide receiver if if you if you follow me, I don't think you you're you're necessarily giving up a whole lot there either. All right, we are tackling some of your voicemails here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. David, we have one more. Let's go ahead and fire it up. Hey, guys, this is JT from Texas. We'll just call in with a quick question. I heard Sue got signed this morning. Was wondering, I know we're going to take an offensive tackle in the first round, or at least I think so. The second round, uh, I think we have an option now. I think we can still go... Uh, defensive tackle, edge rusher, running back, or interior offensive lineman. What do y'all think we're going to do? Which one of those positions, second round, do you think got the highest chance? Thanks, guys. Go Bucks. Love the show. All right, JT, appreciate the phone call. Glad to hear from you again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, James, you'll have your, your piece here in a second, but I think that uh, I think we're all on the same page. I think offensive tackle is the target in the first round. Andrew Thomas has been mocked to the Buccaneers at that 14th pick so much that I've really kind of gotten comfortable to that. And so if it doesn't happen, I'm probably going to be a little bit disappointed. But really, any of the top four offensive tackles that are coming out in this year's class uh, would be good, would be great for this team, even if you end up um, with without them necessarily starting in this year or starting on the left side if they're a true left tackle this year. You know, it, it secures that offensive line that gives you options to man or to form your best five for that offensive front in front of Tom Brady and whoever else. Um, so I really like that move. If all four of those guys are gone, like we've seen happen in a few mock drafts recently, then I kind of like the Buccaneers to trade back. I don't I don't want them to necessarily reach uh, for a guy. And we have mock draft Monday coming up to start next week, so we'll get a little bit more into that. I've already got a mock draft that was sent to me by another friend of mine uh, that we're definitely going to talk about. Um, it's it's a doozy. But if if one of those four isn't there, fortunately, like I said, I want them to kind of trade back. And honestly, my target in them trading back, if they do, is either a guy like Josh Jones out of Houston or Caleb on Chase on. I'm really high on him as well. And I know it might not be like the biggest need. It kind of reminds you of OJ Howard back in 2017. But I think it's really a move that could really kind of help this defense turn it up to a whole other level. And, you know, if, if they can do that, then it'd be amazing. But then looking at the second and third rounds, I mean, I still think we're looking offense here. Like, uh, shout out to J.C. Cornell, the draft network. He was kind of one of the first ones that really that I remember kind of tweeted out saying, hey, you know, this offseason is probably going to be spent shoring up the defense, splurging on quarterback, and then you can expect a mostly offensive heavy draft. And I really like that strategy because the defense is already so young once you get behind the front seven that adding even more talent in the draft really kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, what, what are the chances? Like, you already got like four really young guys in there that clicked that gelled really well into that unit and, and really put it all together at the end of last season. What are the odds you're going to add three more young guys to that group that's already still young and it's not going to kind of disrupt 
you know, the yin and the yang that's going on in that defensive room. So I kind of like that. Maybe add a, an elder, you know, veteran, you know, towards the end of free agency or after the draft to kind of boost the depth. But I think your your front eleven, your starting eleven, is pretty much set at this point. Maybe free safety is the spot I would look at there. But I so I look for the draft to be mostly offensive. I like running back and wide receiver uh, in the second round. Free safety maybe, or in the second or third rounds maybe. Maybe free safety again in the third round. I kind of like. Uh, one of the battle plans from the Pewter Report had the Buccaneers packaging their fourth-round picks and moving back into the third. If they get a second and two third-round picks, honestly, I really like running back, wide receiver, and free safety with those three picks would be amazing. Obviously, you got to match the need with the player. You don't, you don't want to reach just for need, but that would be kind of my dream second and third-round scenario. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, tackle tackles the number one option if all four tackles are gone by time the bucks pick i'm with you you trade back especially if one of these quarterbacks is starting to fall if you see jordan love start to dip you see justin herbert start to dip a little bit you can get quite the haul for a team trading up to get a quarterback so i would i would look at a guy i like how you brought up um yeah, Josh Jones from uh, from Houston. I also like Austin Jackson out of USC. Those are kind of those that the top of the next tier of tackle. I mean, we David, we could see six or seven offensive tackles taken in the first round. I mean, this is a this is a really top heavy and and solid offensive tackle class coming out of the draft. I mean, you we talk about how deep it is at receiver. There are a lot of really, really good offensive linemen. So I look for for that to be the pick, whether it's a trade down or or what have you, or even if they don't want to risk losing one of those guys on a trade down, you know, you could take a a Jones or a Jackson there at 14. And then I'm with you hundred percent. I'm looking at at running back and wide receiver on day two. You know, they have three picks on day two, and I would say that those are are two shoe-ins for for positions that they're gonna address. And yeah, you know, I, I can't remember where I saw it, so I don't know who to credit it to. But I saw somebody say that the Bucks may even draft two tackles in this draft. You can draft a starter, you can draft draft a depth piece. Um, you know, they already have Haig, who's kind of that Swiss Army knife, can play any position along the the offensive line. He was Carson Wentz's uh left tackle in, in college. So if we have a situation where Donovan Smith gets hurt again, then we have a guy that can slide right in there. And it won't be nearly as ugly as it was last year when when Smith went down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is this could go along the lines, no joke, of Lovey Smith's first draft with the Buccaneers. I don't know if, if anybody remembers that they drafted seven offensive players in that draft. Not a single defensive player was drafted by the Buccaneers in Lovey Smith and Jason Light's first year with this team. It could be very, very reminiscent of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of offensive talent in this draft, so it's kind of a good year, you know, if if the team is looking to go offensive heavy. I mean, there was a mock draft that I put up in the mock draft monitor on BucksNation.com just this last week that had seven wide receivers going in the first round, which would be the most amount of the, the largest group of wide receivers to go in the first round of an NFL draft since the year that Larry Fitzgerald was drafted. That's how long it's been since we've had that many wide receivers that could possibly be considered day one uh, targets. Now, I don't think we hit that number, to be quite honest with you, but just the fact that you have the the potential out there to have that many receivers taken in the first round is amazing. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, and you know, offensive tackle go kind of goes in there. Running backs, there's a lot of those. I mean, Travis Etienne, like from Clemson, you know, he he's going back to school, but if he if he had come out, he'd be right in there. And who knows, maybe this is one of the reasons he didn't come out because now all these other guys, your DeAndre Swift and your J.K. Dobbins, guess what? They're not coming out in 2021. Travis Etienne is though, so as long as he stays healthy, uh, he's he's probably the the top dog there in the running back group next year. So yeah, it's a, it's a good year to want to draft offense if you need to and. Looks like the Bucks are in that position. All right. Well, David, that is going to do it for this episode and for the week. I guess unless there's some sort of like crazy major news and we have to do some sort of emergency podcast, but I don't see that happening. So with that, please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. We are we've kicked off our 30 prospects in 30 days leading up to the NFL draft, as I already said. On uh, on the profile list for today is wide receiver Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. You know, we will we will be focusing on players from all three days of the draft as far as their projected worth. Um, lots of love to uh, to offensive linemen, wide receivers, and running backs coming up in the next month on BucksNation.com. Make sure you send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. While you're cooped up in the house, of course, you can listen to us on your smart devices at home just by asking your smart device of choice to play podcast Locked on Bucks. Follow along on Twitter at Locked on Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Thank you so much for joining us right here at Lockdown Box.